The Lifestylist, Episode 6, featuring Nadine Artemis. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. Today's show is proudly sponsored by Fountain of Truth Spring Water, the only source of fresh, raw spring water delivered in chilled glass jugs to your doorstep. Sourced from legendary Opal Springs in Oregon, Fountain of Truth Spring Water is loaded with the four primary electrolytes, is naturally alkaline, filled with the Earth's probiotics, and is abundant in the rare beauty mineral silica. Home delivery is currently available to most areas on the west coast of the United States. Be sure to catch tomorrow's episode number seven, Outsourcing Your Overwhelm, featuring Ari Mizell. You, my friend, are listening to Luke's Story from LukeStory.com, and I'm here to bring you another thought-provoking episode of the Lifestylist Podcast. And what lifestyle would be complete without copious amounts of sunshine? You guys know that I live in Southern California, or if you've heard this show before, you know that. And it's sunny about, oh, 364 days a year. And one of my main lifestyle hacks, my main practices, is that I like to get my full body out into the sunshine as often as possible. So in this episode today, we're talking to one of the experts on sun exposure and specifically how sun affects your eyes and your skin, and what personal care products are available to us in order to protect and nourish our skin so that we can take advantage of this beautiful, radiant sun. Today's guest is none other than Nadine Artemis. Nadine and I talk about a lot of the fallacies and myths regarding sun exposure. We're going to talk about breast cancer, about skin cancer, melanoma, boo, scary stuff. We're going to talk about sun gazing. We get into some of the sunscreen conspiracies, some of the toxic chemicals that you're probably putting on your body or have at some point. So as usual, I'm going to ask the tough questions and we're going to do a fair amount of myth busting and really find out by the end of this episode that the sun is actually our best friend and it's the most beautiful thing that we have on this planet, and we should be exposing ourselves to it safely on a regular basis in order to achieve optimum health. Sounds like a pretty sweet episode, right? Well, it is. But before we jump into that party, I want to remind you to make sure and download your episode upgrade. And the episode upgrade is, of course, a beautiful four-page PDF that I've created for this episode featuring all of the links and resources that Nadine and I discussed during the interview. So you don't have to bother trying to take any notes or remember anything. It's going to be fired right into your inbox, provided you do one thing. That is, text the word LIFESTYLIST6 to the number 44222. So to get this upgrade for free right now, text the word LIFESTYLIST and the number 6 to this number, 44222. If you're not down with texting, you can get it in your browser by putting lukestory.com forward slash lifestylist six in there. Boink, click on that, and you're going to get an instant download to your email. It's pretty sweet. So enjoy that, and you're going to really enjoy this episode. And if you do, once this episode is over, why don't you make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an amazing show like the one you're about to experience And please, if you have a minute, go into iTunes and leave us a rating and review. It's a great way to support the show. We would really appreciate it. Okay, so enjoy this moment in the sun with Nadine Artemis. Nadine Artemis is a gifted aromacologist and visionary who gathers and works with the purest ingredients and the intelligence embodied in plants to create a revolutionary line of essential oils, elixirs, and serums for health, skin care, and beauty. As a key speaker at conferences and in television interviews, Nadine has received glowing reviews for her work in The Hollywood Reporter, The New York Times, and The National Post. Through her company, Living Libations, Nadine offers beauty products that bring out the strength of the botanicals without reliance on synthetics. Nadine is able to tap into the purest of plant essences, enabling her to create the most sublime botanical compounds. 
I'm really excited to welcome my guest, Nadine Artemis, today. Welcome to the show, Nadine. Thank you so much. This is like a dream come true for me because I've been following your work and, of course, using your products for such a long time. And I've just always wanted to sit down and have a chat with you and really dig into some subjects specifically. And today, what we're going to be talking about is the importance of sun exposure and debunking some of the myths that have been... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, put out into the media over i guess you know this this last 60 80 years maybe you can tell me when this kind of started and why but before we dig into the meat of the episode i'd love to just find out you know how you got into the skincare industry and launched your line and what was the impetus for your interest in in all of these things i've been making beauty care products for a long time and uh, it really started when i was 18 and I was at university, and I really was starting to understand the food and the whole manufacturing process of food in the supermarket. And it was really all in the same month where I understood organic and processed food and, you know, that only a few people really made all the food at the supermarket. And it was in that same time frame that I also understood that all those um, skincare products that I love to use as a teenager were also, you know, filled with synthetics and that kind of thing. And at that time, you know, the body shop was all the rage. And in my late teens, I thought, oh, this is such a good evolution compared to what you could get at the, you know, department store. But I had realized, too, that, you know, there was no dewberry perfume or pineapple face scrub had no pineapple in it. So it was really understanding the fallacy of everything that we were told to consume, it wasn't real, that motivated me and inspired me to create my own skincare. So I'd make things for my colleague, like friends and other students and stuff. So I'd make like lip balm and I had this product called Waitress Legs for varicose veins for waitresses and all that. So I finished my degree and even in university, I was like looking for different distillers around the world because there was essential oils that I read about that I couldn't find anywhere. And I had to smell them. Things like Angelica, Immortelle, Neroli. And when I began to get essential oils direct from the distiller, I also realized there was also a huge difference in quality, even with simple oils like eucalyptus, tea tree, and bergamot. So it was that was uh, really starting the passion that I had for all of these things in my adult life. And then as soon as I was finished with the university at the age of 22, I opened up this full aromatherapy concept store on Queen Street in Toronto, which is kind of like Toronto's Soho district. And um, that was an awesome experience. And it was really the first store like it in North America where we custom blended perfumes. We sold essential oils by the drop. And many of my original formulas we still have today, except we just have even more. Now we have a whole oral care line and that kind of thing. So that was my my early start. So you were an entrepreneur kind of right out of the gate then, huh? Yes. And I mean, even as a kid, I think I was always trying to find things to make and sell. Were you like, the, were, you the, were you the kid with the lemonade stand or like the kid that was buying like bulk candy bars and selling them at a 25% markup in uh, elementary school? <laughs> no, but we definitely, I definitely did the lemonade stands, but I actually would catch crayfish and then I would put them in my bucket and I'd walk through the forest and then sell them to the bait and tackle store. Wow. Wow. That's, I've never heard that one. Usually it's like the lemonade stand (laughs) or like, you know, buying something in bulk and marking it up to the students at school. But wow, you've got me there on the, on the crayfish. I never thought that I just caught them and I don't know what I did with them. Probably nothing useful. Probably didn't want to eat them where I, where I um, was catching them either. So cool. So, so that kind of explains, you know, where you got the passion and lucky for you, you're so fortunate that you were able to align your passion with, you know, a way to make a living in a business where you could serve people and serve yourself at the same time. You're, I'm, I don't want to say I'm envious, but it's taken me a long time to get to that point where I really discovered my own passion and talent and where they kind of intersect in a marketable way. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. <laughs> So good for you. So let's let's dive right into then and talk about this thing, the sun. And, you know, I, I could probably do 20 episodes with you, and I, I hope that I'm able to do so um, in the future. But, you know, I've heard you talk about so many interesting things, and you're so knowledgeable about such a wide variety of topics. But the sun is one that I find 
uh, as I work with clients and just, you know, turn friends and family onto lifestyle discoveries that I make, that there is a lot of misinformation about the sun and its mm, supposed danger to us as humans. And, and then also, well, I, let's, let's just start by saying, you know, I live in Hollywood and have worked, of course, as I was explaining to you before the call, in Hollywood and work with celebrities and all this kind of stuff for a long, long time. And people are afraid of the sun because they think that it makes you look older than you are and that you age. So it's the aging and then it's the skin cancer scare. And I mean, I literally, someone this morning, I was saying, oh, I'm doing a podcast about sun exposure. And he said, yeah, I really don't like to get sun on my face because it gives me sunspots. And then the dermatologist wants to give me bleach to bleach off the sunspots. And so I just avoid it, you know, and I'm like, oh my God. So, you know, let's, let's take it back to the beginning. Where do you think this demonizing of this, of really of like the universe or nature, God's greatest gift to our world, really? Why did we become afraid of something that's so beautiful and life-giving? It's, it's so strange to me. You know, I, I don't know how we went off, you know, off rail with it, but it does seem to be about I would think less, but I keep forgetting it's like 2015. I It seems like it sort of came in around the 60s and 70s. I don't know per se if it lines up to the manufacturing of sunscreens or if it was just two, two things converging that were convenient to make each other grow in this huge way, this fear of the sun. So a lot of information that promotes the sun as the culprit of skin carcinomas and mutating moles, wrinkles, and melanomas for pigmentation, which is another word for age spots, and also the word melasma. Those all just mean the discoloration on the face. And then what's also come to come to uh, light in the last few years is that the sun is also seen as the giver of vitamin D, the sunshine vitamin. I mean, we've known that for a while, but now we're really seeing how it's so important to have optimal vitamin D levels to reduce cancer risks. And there's over close to about 3,000 laboratory studies that show the sun is a major contributor to the prevention of cancer. So we've got two strong converging factors. And so I think what a lot of people hope right now is that, you know, they could just take vitamin D, wear sunscreen, and then forget about it. However, I'm, the I'm, vitamin D that we, I'm waiting yeah, for the however. The, the however. Here's the, the other foot. Boom. We, yeah. Oh, and there's so many other feet. <laughs> there's the if we take just vitamin D, then we're missing out on water soluble vitamin D because the vitamin D that we take as a supplement is is only a fat soluble vitamin D. So we're missing out on this huge. Um, an important vitamin, and it's not really a vitamin, we can talk about that in a minute, but we're, we're really missing out on understanding that our skin was designed to be exposed and nourished by the sun's rays. And that, you know, blaming the sun for cancer and age spots is completely, um, it's real. I mean, it is blame, but it is uh, very much a mythology. It like totally needs to be unpacked because it's just not true. So it's almost like uh, hard to think about where to start because there's just so many ways that we can tackle it. And we will. I'm just trying to think of the first way. But of course, if we just really look at the sun, forget all the magazine articles and the visits to the dermatologist, but really just, you know, be aware that the sun is really responsible for everything that makes everything green. It makes everything flourish on our planet. It makes our days, it, you know, so it, it has to be something. It can't be just killing us, right, and making everything else on the planet alive. That's and a great distinction, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like yeah. The, the whole world would be a, a desert, right? It would look like the surface of the moon, just, you know, rocks basically, right, if the sun was this this killer demon that was sapping the life out of everything. Exactly. So we really want to like really appreciate the sun's divinity in our lives, um, you know. So and also if we go back in history, obviously there was a lot of literal sun worshiping and, you know, Egyptians would raise their babies to the sun's rays. Greeks continually praised the benefits of sunbathing and sun gazing. 
the original Olympic athletes were required to sunbathe as it strengthened their muscles and nerves. And actually their, their gymnasiums were outside so that they would be exposed to the sun. And also Greek architecture was optimized to interact with the sun. So there's this, you know, historical relevance, a really neat story about um, a Greek historian, Herodotus, H-E-R-O-D-O-T-U-S. He visited uh, a battle site, the battle site of Pelusium, and he noticed a huge difference in the skulls of the Persians and the Egyptians. So with the Persian skulls, the merest touch of a pebble would break the bone. But with the Egyptians, the skulls were so tough that they could not break the bones with even a blow from a stone. And what he reasoned was is that the Egyptians shaved their heads in childhood so that their skull was fortified by the sun, which was apparently also to help baldness. And the Persians always wore felt skull caps to guard their heads from the sun, which I find fascinating. Interesting, and also, interesting, yeah. yeah. The sun has a huge relationship with our bones. It obviously connects with the skin first. So we have this ancient history, and then also in the 1800s, all doctors really felt that, like, everybody should seek the sunlight, especially if they were, you know, um, not feeling well or had some kind of illness. In the turn of the century where everything got industrialized and then you have the big move up in the rural areas into the cities, that's when there was more epidemics because then people started living so close to each other and didn't get outside and they, their jobs weren't outside-based jobs. So then we have like the white plague of tuberculosis wiping out hundreds of thousands of people and then epidemics of things like rickets. So then it was in 1903 that we had Niels Feinzen actually won the Nobel Prize for curing tuberculosis with sunlight. And then a doctor who kept up his work of Niels, uh, Neil Feinzen's work was uh, Dr. Auguste Rollier. And he was sort of the most famous of all the heliotherapists of the day. That's what they call the doctors that use sunlight. And at his peak, he operated 36 clinics in the Swiss Alps where he treated things like rickets, tuberculosis, smallpox, wounds, and um, all that kind of stuff. So it was like these clinics were just like little, like hospital clinics, and they had all the beds out on verandas. And if you Google Dr. Auguste Rollier, you can see some of these pictures in Google Images, and he has a great tan. You see these doctors over these beds with these great tans. And then um, it's just so neat because he's Think of hospitals as inside, but everybody was outside. And then they would also have classes outside. Kids were wearing these sort of um, diapers so they could get full exposure. And what you could also see in those Google image searches, which I find just really amazing, is you'll get, you'll see pictures sort of before and after with kids that have rickets and tuberculosis. So they have the starting out and then they have like a year of sun therapy where his protocol was to just, you do like about five minutes a day and you build it up. Like you're doing five minutes for, for about five days and then you go up to 10 minutes and you're slowly exposing the body, starting from the feet and then working the way up until the body can handle like an hour in the sun. And then what you see in the before and after pictures is these kids where before they, you could, they had like bone deformity and open tuberculosis wounds and then they're all beautiful, tanned. I mean, it's black and white, but you can tell that they're tanned. And then their spines are now straight, and they no longer have deformity of their backbone. It's really incredible. And that was just, he didn't even change their diet. Like, I'm sure they ate pretty good at the hospital, but it was really all about the sun. And so you wanted to gradually expose the body to the sun until the whole body could be bared. He also found that, he said, the sun is the best masseur that it stimulates the skin and it um, helps tone the muscle without movement, which is really one of my favorite ways of working out is lying in the sun. <laughs> you and you got I, my number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Everyone that knows me he knows like <laughs> I'm not so much into really vigorous exercise. I mean, I would like to be, you know, it's one of my goals, but yeah, I'm like, oh, lying in the sun. Well, I do that really well. Yeah. I'm really gentle with my body. I do like lying in the sun, walking and swimming. That's, about it for me. Um, so that I find was all very fascinating. And then what was really just a neat little tidbit is that Dr. Rollier said that 
the sun's healing remained ineffective if the patients wore sunglasses. Wow. Okay. So, so, okay, this is, this is good. So let's talk then about, because I love this history. This is, I mean, this is amazing because I think a, a lot of us, you know, we just, we listen to our parents, we listen to the doctors, we listen to what they tell us in school, we listen to TV commercials and that's our paradigm. But it, you know, it stands to reason that there were other ways of viewing some of these things. And the fact that the sun has been used as, <laughs> as, you know, a healing therapy, I bet a lot of people have no idea that that's even conceivable. So let's, you know, then why would that be? Let's talk about how the eyes and the skin of the human body are, you know, at least in my view, sort of like, you're sort of a walking solar panel. I mean, that's how, yes, it, that's how it feels to me. So, so how does this, how does the sun interact with our, with our eyesight and our skin? So I don't fully know the answer. I don't think science knows yet. Um, but Dr. Rollier expressed that the light, because we're not picking up on the full spectrum of the light waves. And I don't even think we have named all the light wave, um, all the light waves yet in science. Cause there's some that aren't, they aren't knowable but I have a feeling it has to do with that. So there's different colors and different light waves. And it's kind of like the ancient art of sun gazing. So when we allow the sunlight in, it stimulates our pineal gland and our suprachiasmatic nucleus inside the hypothalamus. And this synchronizes hormonal body rhythms. And I'm sure it has so many effects on the body that we don't even know. But my sense is that it, when we wear sunglasses, it does block out the light waves. Interestingly, though, you can be in the sh- in the shade and you can still still get the benefits of the sun, not in a sun tanning way. But so I really think we, you know we really have to save our sunglass use for you know special times like driving and, and when they're really needed. And when you just want to look cool. <laughs> yeah, when you want to look cool. <laughs> no, it's funny because I I recently <laughs> totally. had uh, Jack Cruz, Doctor Jack Cruz, on on the show, and he's you know all about light and water and magnetism. That's kind of his thing, and so he explains thing and things in a way that I mean I have a really hard time following, but it's all based on the principles of nature and. He like really got in my case for wearing sunglasses. And I said, well, you know, when I drive around LA, I mean, it's so sunny here all the time that it's like, sometimes it hurts my eyes. And his answer was that that means there's, I forget the answer, but there's something wrong with me. You know, he's like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't <laughs> well, ever, you should never need to wear sunglasses. And he said something to the effect, and maybe you can speak to this, that the sunglasses are, it, they were either blocking out the UVA or the UVB, which kind of makes the sun, it actually does make the sun dangerous because you're removing part of the synergy of that holistic light spectrum. Does that make sense? That totally makes sense. And it will lead perfectly into a discussion of sunscreen, but you're like, he was right too. Like if you, if you just go outside and like all of a sudden you're like, Whoa, the sun, like, and it makes your eyes squint, then definitely you want to be working on some sun gazing to allow your eyes to hold more light and then you won't be squinting so much. Now, sometimes in a car, the, literally the sun is directly a ray coming right at you. And so you need to block it or put down that, that flap thing. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. there's, there's yeah. those moments, but you, yeah. de- you, I mean, besides looking cool, you want to be able to function without sunglasses. Yeah. I was totally just kidding <laughs> yeah. about looking cool, by the way. <laughs> I just, you know, I got to throw in the Hollywood moment. I mean, I think that would be in, oh, yeah. in my town, that would be a struggle for some people. They're like, well, dude, that's like part of my look, you know? I mean, I want to, yeah, I want to be sure. healthy and feel good. And it's funny since I had that call with Jack, I actually have stopped wearing uh, my sunglasses and I'm, I'm doing my best to acclimate. But what was strange about it is I'm like a total sun dog. I mean, I'm like nude sunbathing all the time. I'm constantly, constantly in the sun as much as possible. So, um, you know, it was was the first time that it was brought to my attention that my eyes actually are a bit uh, sensitive to it and probably has something to do with the fact that I have been wearing sunglasses for so many years. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, just like being, you know, our indoor lifestyles and using the computer a lot. But he's right. So what it does is it blocks out the UVB, And then when we just have the UVA on its own, that's when the sun creates more damage. So my sweet friend sent a picture of her like last March. She was sunbathing in her greenhouse. And I was like, whoa, you can't do that. (laughs) You gotta, 
You got to get outside because when we have glass, then we're, again, we're blocking the UVB and we're just getting the UVA, which is more sun damaging. So if like you've been driving in LA traffic, you know, for years and that one arm is exposed on the sunny side, you might see that that side has more freckles or something like that. Right. Or if, so you don't want to just sit in front of, I mean, you want to have sunlit windows and rooms, but you don't want to spend your life just sitting in front of a ray of light that's like coming in through glass. You mentioned sun gazing, and this is something that I remember years ago, God, probably eight years ago, 10 years ago, it was something that was popularized kind of in the raw food community and just, you know, the health nuts kind of like got onto this thing. And there was even talk about breatharians that exist or have existed that don't eat or drink and they just live off that you know that golden light of the morning sun and the evening sun and all this stuff going back to uh, ancient times in india and this practice and i got into it for a while because i lived in a house on the hill and i could actually see the sunset perfectly and not the sunset i'm sorry but the sunrise and so if i happened to be up mm. at the right time i would get this sweet moment of the sunrise coming up over downtown la but I couldn't quite get the sun set because there was a hill in the way, you know, so I, I would only do the morning. <laughs> but it's something I'd, I'd make an effort to do, like get barefoot, find a rock, find some dirt and do my little sun gazing thing. But I think it's really important to, you know, and I'd like to hear what you know about it, but it's it's definitely really important to give the disclaimer that it's something you kind of have to build up to. And you're only meant to do it like right in those first few seconds where the sun rises on the horizon or sets on the horizon. It's, it's not like you can't like look up at the sun at 2 PM and start staring at her. You're going to be blind, right? Well, there's, yeah, there's a lot we can unpack there. The, the sun gazing is generally within the first 40 minutes of, and you can do it once you've built up to, for that whole time or 40 minutes before the sunset. Whoa. So you can actually, yeah. Oh my God. Quite a lovely practice out of it. Yeah. And if it's too much for your eyes at first, you just cover one eye to allow, because sometimes people can't, I don't mean too much. I just mean like, you'll be like, well, kind of blinded by the light, but not literally blinded, but just when you're like, whoa. So if you just put one palm over one eye, you'll be able to receive more light in the, in the open eye. And then you can just play around with the alternating until you're able to absorb the, the full light within the first 40 minutes or the last 40 minutes of the day. Now, you can also do that during the day for a few seconds, but you cover one eye, again, to allow it in. I'll do that like if I've been at a computer screen for too much. And you cover one eye, and you just do it for a few seconds, and that's not blinding at all. If you stared at it for a long time in the middle of the day, that might have a negative effect. Interesting. Wow. I, didn't, I don't know the timelines on that. Right. I didn't realize that it was the first and last 40 minutes. That gives a lot of leeway. I was always that way more time. <laughs> yeah. I was always so paranoid. I'm like, I'm like 10 seconds, Luke, and then stop, you know, because in my, in my health and wellness misadventures for the past, God knows how many years, I mean, I've done a lot of stupid shit, frankly, <laughs> like, because I did, you know, I didn't want to follow the rules, man, I'm a rebel. I'm going to do it my own way. And, you know, overdosed on every kind of herb and supplement and god knows what else so that was one that i was actually cautious with but maybe the only one i was actually too cautious with that's funny the one you didn't have to be yeah and also i mean and depending on the i mean i can still do it with even an hour of those times i can still find it's like not that strong also aldous huxley has a book called um the art of seeing because I don't know if you know, but he was practically blind. So he would do a lot of eye exercises. That whole book is about eye exercises. It's not like a novel. Really? And there's a lot of sun. Yeah, there's some sun eye exercises. And then and also some other vision classics like Take Off Your Glasses and See and the Bates Method. There are lots of exercises that you can do with the sun and eyesight. And they aren't just at the at sunrise and sunset. Ooh, the Bates method. Yeah. Somebody turned me on. Yeah. I think it was Dave Asprey told me about that because my dad's got a uh, macular degeneration. So I've been geeking out on, on mm. that. And uh, that was recommended to look into for that particular ailment. Well, that's yeah, and cool. I think, I think Dr. Jacob Lieberman's work is awesome too with take off your glasses and see, and he's, uh, he's around. So I think you can even have appointments with him and stuff. Oh, cool. Okay. Show notes time. That's all going in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. I love that. You're such a wealth of information. Okay. So 
So that's a little a bit on the eyes. Now, how does the sun interact with our skin? In so, so many ways, it interacts with our skin. So sunscreen, the classic fault with sunscreen, besides the carcinogenic chemicals and the endocrine disruptors and all that sucky stuff that is in there, one of the main issues is that it blocks UVB, which is the vitamin D part, and it just leaves with the, you with the UVA. And when the UVA is without its partner, UVB, that's when the sun does become more damaging. Then all of your natural alarm systems for being in the sun too long, like a sunburn, are turned off because you've got sunscreen on. So you're not getting the messages from your body. Okay, my mind's getting blown right now. So essentially <laughs> blocking that spectrum of light, what sunscreen's doing is also what sunglasses do, as we discussed, to your eyes and what being inside like a greenhouse. Or I, I used to unknowingly sunbathe inside my house behind a window <laughs> when it was too cold to go outside. <laughs> and I got, I got to say, I got... Did you actually get a tan from that? I, you, you know what? Get... I got a really weird, like, because I'm olive skin, so I don't, I don't really burn. But I, I have to say, I did get a weird red... I wasn't... Well, I guess I was sunburned, but it was like a red tan. But not like... It was weird. weird. So yeah, it wasn't no, like your normal tan. No, it was weird. I turned like <laughs> gold and I have a really nice like tan olive skin when I get great sun. But no, I turned kind of red. It was strange. But anyway, so... So what it sounds like, you know, the matrix just gets weirder and weirder, this world we live in. So from what you're saying, what I'm extrapolating from that is that we're using sunscreen so that we don't get skin cancer, okay, melanoma, but we're actually mm -hmm. increasing the odds of getting cancer by wearing sunscreen because we're putting that light, that, that the sun's um, energy off balance by removing one of the UVs, right? One one spectrum exactly. of ultraviolet light. Yes, and not to mention then we're in the sun, like cooking with chemicals like oxybenzene, polymers of petroleum, parabens, and PABA. So then our skin's cellular respiration process is inhibited from inhaling oxygen and exhaling toxins. And then as we soak up the sun, we're, these chemicals are baking into our bodies. And then the main ingredient that makes sunblock or sunscreen work is it's called oxybenzene, and that is a powerful free radical generator that is classified as non-carcinogenic until it is exposed to sunlight. Oh my God. Like, yeah, so crazy. <laughs> we live in an insane so world. Oh my god! You know, it's know. it's funny as we're as we're talking about this. I'm thinking of a friend of mine who's a, a businessman here in LA. He's from the UK, and he'll probably end up listening to this. And I'm, I won't name his name, but you'll know when you hear this, my friend. And his his family, you know, that's really successful family. They're involved in a lot of different businesses, and one of the businesses that they have is they own like they manufacture sunscreen in the UK, oh. which is weird because. I've been to the UK quite a bit and I've never even seen the sun. <laughs> so I, don't know, like, I don't know why you need sunscreen <laughs> in the UK. True. It's like kind of a paradox, but I'm like, I know he's going to hear this and be like, oh, oops, uh, dad, we need to change the formula. Hopefully. Now, UK has some better regulations uh, in that realm and they oh, have banned okay. sunscreen, some ingredients that aren't banned in the States, but I don't know if it's that one. I right. can't remember what, you know, I can't remember what, but um, it's a little bit better. But still, we got to, we got to, you know, go underneath and get to the root issue. Now, here's another really, really important one, another with, with sunscreen. So we definitely want to avoid sunburns, but getting sunburned is actually easier on our DNA than processing the cell damage from being in the sun with sunscreen. Wow. So getting a sunburn is easier on our DNA and our skin than processing the cell damage of mixing the sun and sunscreen. So we have the mechanism of melanin in our skin, which is for the purpose of interacting with the sun. And when we get sunburnt, our ancient photoprotective melanin ensures that only a tiny fraction of our DNA is damaged by the absorbed photons. So the DNA naturally transforms more than 99.9% of the photons into a harmless heat. And the remaining 0.1% of the photons that cause the sunburn are dealt with. But still, that's all the body has to deal with. The DNA are able to convert photons into harmless heat. And of course, that's extremely efficient because our bodies are designed in an extremely efficient way. But sunscreen, green, 
sends scream damages the DNA indirectly and without warning, which the warning signals the burn. And it is the indirect DNA damage that is responsible for mutations in the cells. God, every, everything is so, so, sun, yeah. so backwards. It's so backwards. It's, like, it's so <laughs> crazy. So this is why I have to have a podcast and talk to people like you, because it's like, this is front page news. I mean, this is like New York Times. Guess what we found out, you guys? Holy shit. Like, we've got it all wrong. I mean, this is really important information for people to understand. And it's like, God, how many, you know, how many of us have had loved ones that have, you know, suffered from disease and all sorts of, you know, illness and issues just because of a lack of information or because of perpetuation of misinformation in this case? It's just madness. Completely. It's madness. I mean, it's like entertaining it because it's the human game. It's just, it's where we are in our evolution. And I, you know, I, I don't get upset about it. It's just, there are conspiracies and, you know, it's, you know there's a lot of um, greed and profit motives behind a lot of them. And it's just, you know, it's human nature. So I don't, I don't find it or, or fault it, but it's, it's just so fun to uncover these things and, and look at things with a different lens from another perspective, you know, to really open our minds and kind of go, well, maybe there's, maybe the, what we think is true is actually not, you know, let's look at it. Exactly. And, and what exactly. we find, well, some of that information know. did get out there. And then luckily people have done research on that. So there was this, this uh, understanding that the sunscreen causes this indirect DNA damage led to a lot of new research. And in 2007, the university of California reviewed a lot of studies. So they did a study reviewing studies they reviewed 17 studies of sunscreen use in melanoma, and they concluded that there was a significant correlation between sunscreen use and skin cancer. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and, I, uh, I really get the part of the, it shutting down your body's ability to, you know, be this giant photoreceptor and, and to be able to process that sun. I mean, that makes such sense. And then the piece of just, I mean, what about your pores becoming more open too? When you're in the sun, I mean, it seems like you just become this supple body and your body almost breathes and drinks in whatever you put on it, right? Yeah. And then that, that was designed to be in a good way, like not us baking in with the oxybenzene, but exactly our pores dilate to receive the rays of the sun God, our and pores. our skin. It actually contains all the mechanisms needed to extract act and produce nutrients from the sunbeams that I just love. So it's like, it's an ancient, ancient relationship, the one between our skin and the sun. So the skin then converts sunbeams into regenerative, regenerative, regenerative substances, such as melanin and sulfur and the steroidal, steroidal hormone, vitamin D. So that's where we understand that vitamin D was named vitamin D, but it's actually a precursor hormone in our body. Uh, I like to just really think of vitamin D from the sun as this sort of sun fluid lube that our body totally needs to function optimally. And it's something that this, this type of hormone it produces influences every cell in our body and it's, it strengthens our immune system. And as we have vitamin D coursing through our bodies, it helps when we get so the difference between the fat-soluble and the water-soluble thing we were talking about before, we need fat-soluble vitamin D for you know, uh, our bones and teeth. It's very essential for teeth health. But when we have the water-soluble vitamin D from the sun, it actually is a blood purifier. And there's studies that show, too, it lowers blood pressure and all these kind of things. This is a real affinity with the blood. This is the vitamin D sulfate then? Is, yes. Is that okay? So that's the water soluble. Now this totally makes sense to me in terms of their correlation to blood pressure, because I know personally a, a really close dear friend of mine's dad has high blood pressure for a long time, and he lives in um, Washington D.C. and really gets zero sun exposure, and he's a really dark skinned African American guy. So his DNA they is, need more. Yeah, his DNA is is wired for lots of sun, right? And he's getting yeah. no sun for God knows how long. And the blood pressure turned into statins and those, you know, he didn't take the statins as directed and that turned into um, kidney failure and now dialysis. And it's like, to me, the whole thing oh. goes back to the sun. You know, it's like, it's that, vi mm -hmm. it's the water soluble vitamin D. And, and I don't, to my knowledge, he wasn't even supplementing the fat soluble vitamin D. So, you know, it's like, 
God, if, if, if more people could just get turned on to functional medicine and go in and actually, when something goes wrong, get your labs done and see, oh my God, you know, I'm really deficient in vitamin D. And then there's a cascade of other issues that come into play as a result of that. And it's, it's something that's relatively easy to fix. You know, it's what's so maddening yeah. about it. Because I, you know, yeah, I, I get a lot of sun, but I, I also supplement vitamin D because, you know, I keep track of my labs. And even with the amount of sun that I get, I think because I'm just sort of dark skinned, it really takes a lot to keep my levels up. But, you know, if I, did... I also feel like we've we all have maybe had a few decades of really I mean, I've I've always loved to sun, but it, it wasn't until about four years ago where I was really like if any every day that I can from April to end of October if, you know, I, I just, I read, if I'm like, no, it's sunny, I will structure my day around that and, so I can get that time in. And when we say getting sun, this, this is something, you know, people that I recommend this to have, have a problem with, and that is getting sun on your entire body, which so many people I think are afraid <laughs> of getting, you know, women with their breasts and, and men with their wedding tackle, let's just call it. Getting sun exposure. I mean, I've told guys I sunbathe nude and they're like, well, you put something over your junk, right? I'm like, no, that's the whole point. Like, that's where you want the most sun. That's yeah. the best thing ever. And um, and I think women, too, they don't there are like... There studies that show it increases testosterone. Right. And, yeah. And... It wasn't a hardcore study. I did go into it, but it, okay. it did show increased testosterone levels once the male genitals were exposed to the sunlight. There you go. So it wasn't just lying in the sun. It had to be the whole the whole package, so to speak. Well, that's when about four years ago, I was really like working on on the you know no tan lines. Although I mean, we live, but I've set up my life so that I can work when I like. I'll work in the night, but if I can have that hour during the day, so I can set that up. And of course, we live in complete privacy. But these are the things we set up so that we could suntan. So I know a lot of people are like, what am I supposed to do? You know, just like 20 minute lunches, that kind of thing. But really also uh, suntanning at solar noon is the best time, most vitamin D. So that's a myth too. And what is solar noon? I've, I've heard that and I never understand what that means. It Well, because you know how we have the um, fall back, spring forward and the time zone things. Yes. So some people... Are, so solar noon could be one o'clock or it could be noon, depending on what uh, zone you live in, because it's kind of like the like that solar real solar noon, not fake. I noon. see, not based on daylight savings yeah. time and things like that. That's what it's called. Yeah. Okay. 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 That's, <laughs> That's cool. the word I was trying to find. And then <laughs> and then on the full the full body sun, and you know, I recommend this to women. I think they always just they think I'm trying to just get their top off, but you know, when I'm somewhere with women, you know, you really shouldn't be wearing that bikini top. It's quite unhealthy. Let's just get you know set them free, babe. And I think they think it's a ploy, but. I think women also are afraid that if they get sun on their breasts, that they're going to give themselves breast cancer. I mean, this is the kind of crazy ideas mm -hmm. that I've, I've heard from women. And it's so, isn't that well, so two backwards? Points for that. Yeah. Keeping your vitamin D optimal. Uh, this is a study with Dr. Garland. Keeping vitamin D levels optimal reduces your risk of breast cancer by 50%. Wow. Oh, 50%. Wow. 50%, which is huge. That's not like five. What we all is 50, but I mean, like, it's a huge, I don't know what, stopping drinking alcohol, that's like less of a, you know what I mean? Like, if you're trying to think of all the ways to reduce your risk of breast cancer. But here's another clue. Vitamin D receptors, also known as VDRs, there's thousands of them all over the body, including places like internally, like your pancreas. So there are vitamin D receptors on your breasts on your prostate, in your heart, in your stomach, small intestines, colon. Vitamin D receptors are everywhere. They need to be filled with vitamin D. There's an, uh, uh, an old uh, Italian expression. It's an old, nobody knows who, where it came from. But it, it's, it goes something like, uh, the doctor goes where the sunshine doesn't. Wow, I love that. That's a tweetable right there. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> That's really, I like that one better than the Apple one. I never got the Apple thing. I'm like, really? Apples are okay, but come on. They don't keep the doctor away. So yeah. I, I'd like to talk about, you know, where, where, okay. One last thing. And that is before I move into, you know, some of the, 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 the more solutions around this area, you know, and how people can kind of build this practice safely. 
a thing I get a lot, again, being in Hollywood, is people don't want to get sun on their face because they feel that it gives them sunspots and it, you know, it causes premature aging. And so they're, they're always trying to keep, you know, their face specifically out of the sun. Is, is there any truth to that? I mean, does getting sun in your face make you look old and wrinkly and get these age spots and stuff? Well, I'd say on one level, if you're going to, if you, if you eat Mazzola oil and are on birth control pills, that's going to create aging, but that's what causes age spots, not the sun. You know what I mean? Like that's the deep cause of it. So that's another myth that we've been fed, which is a really great thing to go into. Yeah. Let's so talk hyper, about it. I have an, I have an, to really go into it. I have an article on our site called seeing spots and that's all about hyperpigmentation and melasma. Cool. We'll so people it. want to, you know, go there, but we can yeah. do the, the quicker version. So eating poly, the, you know, canola, mazola, and all their friends, <laughs> that whole, you know, which is in every processed food. Every processed food has about 20% of these fats, which are rancid and processed and bleached and deodorized. And studies show, of course, it was done on, on you know, rats, but a diet of 20% of these fats created, it impaired intracellular communication, it suppressed immune functions, damaged DNA, and is also linked to wrinkles and hyperpigmentation. So eating diets high in those types of fake fats totally increases the risk for cancers and melanoma. And the top doctor for melanoma, Dr. Ackerman, wrote a book called Myth on Myth, Got it right. Sunlight, the epidemic of melanoma. So he's really cool because he's a dermatopathologist, which is like studies disease and skin. And he was one of the founding fathers of this specialized branch of um, medicine. And he totally does not find that the sun causes melanoma, but he found that, you know, a melanoma is um, increased more with people that work indoors, people that work under fake fluorescent lighting, and that people that lived closer to the equator, um, people that spent 20 to 40% more time outside for recreational use, those people had less chance of getting melanoma. Astonishing. The matrix. <laughs> I swear to God. Yes. It's so, it's so amazing. And what, and what, it's, it's, so crazy. It's, yeah, it's like, you can't make this stuff up. There's like, it's just crazy. And then what about if one already has sunspots, even if we've discovered, you know, based on this information that that has a lot more to do with, you know, dietary habits and eating these rancid, you know, omega-6 fake oils, what could one do for sunspots if they've already contracted them, say on their face, uh, if they didn't want to go the method, which I wouldn't recommend of bleaching them off? No, because then you've got other issues and then that skin and then the skin's microbiome. So in that, in one millimeter of skin, the epidermis, we have five, four, well, depending on the body part, but generally four different layers of skin within the one millimeter. And then like one layer of that has like 36 different layers. So it's a very complex thing. But within those four layers are also the skin's microbiome. And so when we're putting chemicals and then baking in the sun, we're really disturbing the microbiome of the skin. So we've got that issue, which can cause mutations in the stratum basal, which is the base layer of that one milliliter of skin. And also, you know, that's where that that's the layer, the basement layer that sends up new skin cells to this top surface of the skin, the stratum corneum. So we're disturbing that whole system. And when we're bleaching or lasering, sometimes then that area of skin becomes more vulnerable. So then you've taken it away temporarily, but it might come back later. You know, so that's one of the issues with laser lasering is that people sometimes get more hyperpigmentation. And that's a pretty big risk. What we found is that essential oils, which work on a deep cellular level, they stop cells from abnormal cells from replicating they help to induce apoptosis which is what which is a good natural cell death which is what you want they help us process things through our liver more so there's a whole bunch of good things that they do but it also seems like they can generally clear up hyperpigmentation on people um, i wouldn't it's a hundred percent for some people some people get fading some people you know what i mean so it all depends it's not like we've done like double blind studies on these things but i mean we get reports 
every week about people that are so happy that their melasma and hyperpigmentation cleared up. We have a blend called Doodab and another blend called Jewel Dab. And those, you know, you don't have to use them together, but those work for people that have those spots, which is great. So we really have to think about what we're putting on our skin, how that's interacting with the sun, and then also what what food we're eating and what kind of medication we're taking. But the pill is a huge contributor to age spots and people. I can see it in people that I know that eat normally and wear normal cosmetics and maybe are on the pill. And I can see they all have hyperpigmentation issues. Right, right. Yeah. And I'm you know, I, I, I've heard this. It's just funny because a lot of the guys that I work with and coach and stuff happen to be male. And you know, I guess because it's just where I live in the world, they're very concerned sometimes with how they look. You know, I probably don't notice it as much with women because they're not asking me typically. They're to wearing. Help. Yeah. And they're wearing foundation. But which they're probably covers also that wearing up. foundation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like. Which is why the neat. Yeah. Then you're in a catch 22 because then you feel like you need to wear foundation. Some of my most favorite emails are when people are like, yay, I don't feel like I have to wear foundation to leave the house because uh, their skin has like caught up with who they are and it's radiating. That's amazing. And it's, you know, yeah. really beautiful. Yeah. Which is so great. Cause I mean, I don't, I'm not against foundation. For, I mean, I never wear it, but wouldn't it be nice to feel that you're not like that you have to wear it to go out of the house. That's like, that, I'm just so happy that they have new freedom that they Absolutely. Can, can do that. That's the freedom I have. <laughs> you know, <it's> like, yeah. <laughs> I, I have, I have decent, decent skin, you know, I've been lucky to not suffer acne or crazy spots or anything like that. And I, and I really thank you for mentioning a couple of products and, you know, don't be shy at all about dropping things. We'll definitely link to them. I'm, you know, avid supporter of everything that you make. I mean, everything I've tried has just been divine. I use your stuff constantly. So I have no shame in, in promoting that. And if you have something that's useful for sunspots, like I'm, I'm on it. Right on. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I, and I recently, you know, it's another conversation probably, but probably about a year ago, I got into essential oils. And as I was telling you, I've been into all this stuff for so long, but I really always thought essential oils, I don't know where I got this idea, but I just thought they were kind of phony you know it's just i think because of the aroma yeah. the aroma. Well, a lot of them are <laughs> right i guess a lot yeah, of them are, are the just issue, crappy <laughs> but i think it's because of the like the aroma the aromatherapy aspect of it i just it always well, seems so pr- they're so pretty right <laughs> they're so beautiful that you wouldn't know they're so hardcore but like rose is like so antibacterial antifungal and antiviral it's just as antibacterial as clove is wow interesting i didn't know that well, I, you know, yeah. a, a friend of mine, you know, got some signed me up for something. It basically got me into oils and I ordered, you know, $400 worth of at a, at a pop. And then I just started using them. And now like I'm, I'm covered in, I'm eating them. I'm I, like <laughs> essential oils are just part of my daily routine. I have, I would have my diffuser on right now, but it makes noise and the mic would pick it up, but I'm, I'm totally convinced. So I mean, I'm just in love with them internally, externally. What are some that you might recommend, you know, just general as essential oils that are good for skin recovery and specifically in dealing with sun exposure if someone were to get, you know, burned or have some sun damage? Yeah, that's a great question. We'll do ones that relate to the sun. In my 20s, I went to Arizona and New Mexico quite a few times to really experiment with the oils and the sun and to see what would work to harmonize my skin with the sun's rays. And um, so we make a product called Everybody Loves the Sunshine, which is from from those days and also based on uh, essential oils that are researched to be protective and regenerative. So a lot of those oils that are in there would be good for the sun. And I call it a sun harmonizer because SPF and giving something like SPF 6 or 8, that has to be only for a synthetic product. Those are the rules of the FDA. So plants... They require, obviously, to interact with the sun wisely as well because they're out there all day. So a lot of plant substances are really good for our bodies while we're engaging with sunshine. So even something like olive oil, if you were to go out right now with olive oil, I mean, you're probably good because you have the olive skin, but it would extend your time before you got burnt. So somebody that's like redhead, redheaded, would have to work their way up. But that application of olive oil might give them another five more minutes in the sun. So you can't make a blanket statement, but you can see how these oils really work. And so 
really almost all plant oils offer a degree of UV protection to their own tissue and of course to ours. And they can really gracefully extend our time in the sun. So things like coconut, jojoba, olive, sea buckthorn, those are awesome. In our product, we also have a raw raspberry seed oil, which studies show it, it may have the equivalence to an SPF 25. But again, it's going to act differently because it's not a synthetic ingredient. And what, it, what raspberry seed does, it shows under a spectrometer that it absorbs UVB and UVC, but it scatters UVA rays. And then in the realm of essential oil distillations, really rich uh, oils that are rich in antioxidants and also help with cell regenerative activity are things like sea buckthorn, sandalwood, geranium, frankincense, immortal, rose auto, it has to be the steam distilled rose, ginger. These also all help to fade hyperpigmentation and they can prevent abnormal cell growth. And there's even scientific studies on a few of these oils, including one on sandalwood that shows that it's alpha-santal and beta-santal in the oil are chemoprotective. Similar studies have been done with geranium and frankincense as well. So they're very, very helpful essential oils for extending our time in the sun. So you can use it in the sun or after the sun if you happen to get burnt. And then if you did get burnt, then... Essential oils um, are also helpful for calming and cooling the burn. So you could mix with aloe vera, you could mix some peppermint, lavender, sandalwood, or you can mix those in with olive oil or jojoba or coconut oil to calm and cool the burn and then help it transform into a good tan. Awesome. That's very useful information. I was happy to hear a couple keywords in there of ones that I'm using currently. So that's good. I, I didn't, I never thought of putting frankincense on my skin though. I just eat it all the time. Well, actually, you know what? I put it on my temples and stuff and I kind of put it on my face a little bit actually now that I think about it, but that's, it just kind of seems to have a calming effect, but I actually find that I eat it a lot. Hopefully that's not bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, essential oil use internally is a whole other topic. Right, you right. just have to, you know, make sure you got pure oils and you're really working with right. a drop at a time and noted that kind of thing. Okay, cool. In terms of, you know, safely using the sun, I've, you know, heard that some of the, the melanin containing herbs and things that you can take uh, internally, you know, speaking specifically of certain antioxidants also tend to work well as kind of an internal sunscreen. So astaxanthin is something that i take a lot of as well as mm -hmm. i i just like live on on really dark rich chaga tea which you know just to me kind of intuitively makes sense because of its pigmentation but someone told me that it has melanin in it i believe do you know anything about you know that or things that one could add to their diet that would also help you know protect them yeah, rainbow diet. Anything really rich in pigments is really going to help. And there are studies done on that too, showing that it creates an internal sunscreen. Anything from, you know, to, from tomatoes to blue-green algae, spirulina, chaga, things that are just really, sea buckthorn, sea buckthorn you can take internally as well. Ooh, cool. So yeah, and, and we're missing that in our diet now too. You know, we're not eating my God, well, we're, you know, like there's no rich pigments in Twinkies. Yeah. Well, it's kind of mm. yellow, <laughs> maybe not as yeah. much as, as turmeric. Yeah. So that's cool. So that's, that's an easy way to think about it. Just foods that have that really rich pigmentation then, right? Yes. Okay, cool. As we round up the end of the show, I'd like to ask for a three-part recommendation. And this question is something I ask all of the guests and it goes like this. Nadine, if you could recommend three books, uh, teachers, philosophy, teachings that have helped you just overall in your life, not necessarily pertaining to skincare or sun, but just, you know, three wise teachers that you've had or, or some place that you could point people to that they might want to research more. Like who are your go-to teachers or books, etc.? Well, I love poetry. So I always find Rumi is just like top, top, like, and I wouldn't know which book to say because there's so many, but I would say any book that's been translated by, or by, by Coleman Barks, not that he did the translation, but he would, he did the poetry of Rumi, somebody else translated. So anything by Rumi. And then my favorite teacher philosopher person is Krishnamurti. And 
couple of good titles from him are Total Freedom, The Revolution Within, This Light in Oneself, and then I Love Anything About the Microbiome, bringing it up to this century. It's actually my favorite diet, like not that, like just on it, because we get questions asked all the time about how people should eat and that kind of thing. So right now, my favorite book to recommend is The Microbiome Diet, because I think it really just summarizes everything that people really need to know about eating well. Perfect. Awesome. And I think there, yeah, that's by Ralph Ullman or something like that. Okay, we'll find it. We'll research it and we'll put it in the show notes for everyone to explore for sure. And I was unaware of that. So sounds good to me. (laughs) That's something I'm always working (laughs) on. You know, after like half of my life, basically nuking my my gut biome, I'm actively working on bringing that back to life. Thank you for those recommendations. And, you know, thank you, of course, for sharing all this great information with us. So where can we find more about what you do? And, and please don't forget to, to mention your new store in Venice, which I'm really excited to go to. So tell us about that and where your various social media and sites are. For sure. Well, at the heart of it all is livinglibations.com. And we have tons in there, obviously things to buy, but there's also a full article section, which we even have like wise interaction with the sun. So lots of more details that can flesh out what we've talked about today. We have tons of videos on YouTube. My favorite social media account is Instagram. That's where you'll find me. And of course, we're on Twitter and all of that. And yes, we did just open up a retail store in Venice Beach, California. And it's right by the ocean where Abbott Kinney turns into Brooks Avenue. We are number eight Brook Avenue. I can't remember if it's Brook or Brooks, <laughs> but we're right there. And um, you can also look for details about our Venice store on our webpage. And you'll see uh, in the that bar, navigation bar, I think it's called that's the word they, Venice. That's what they call it. <laughs> okay, cool. And we're, that's what they call it. And they can also, of course, find that on my site because I'm going to link to it and I'm getting out there. I might even go out there today because I have a client in Malibu I'm seeing uh, late afternoon. Yeah. And I had no idea until you mentioned that. So I'm so excited because when I go to your Perfect. site, I mean, you have such a robust um, product line that you know, I would probably end up homeless if I ordered everything that caught my eye. So <laughs> it's like, there's just a lot to work with there. We not, you know, we didn't even mention teeth or dentistry or anything like that, but I, you know, I love your um, dental products as well. So I'm excited to go to the store and actually be able to kind of get a, you know, tactile relationships with things and do some shopping. In oh person. yeah. It'd be lovely. Now I think for now, what we're, we're closed on Mondays, we're open on other days, but we also, we're not open every day because what we wanted to do, it's sort of a new concept, but we wanted to work with people like one-on-one and individually. So we've actually saved time so that we can do appointments with people as well. Oh, that's awesome. I love yeah. that. So feel free. We've got the phone number and stuff on there. So you can, you can uh, set up an appointment as well, or just text to, to uh, set up a time. I love that idea. I love where customer service is going with thoughtful companies such as yours, where, you know, it's not just going somewhere to buy something, but it's going somewhere and getting some, not just service, but really information and more of a consultation. I think that's a genius idea. Anyone listening that has a business, I think it's a, <laughs> it's a great model. You know, we do, I have a fashion school and we do consultations with people too, you know, we have them fill out oh, an cool. application. Yeah. And so before they sign up for class, oftentimes we'll just get to know them and we spend 15, 20 minutes and just, you know, try and help guide their career. And it's something that people are so responsive to is to be able to build a more intimate relationship with the brand where you meet kind of the people behind it and get educated on how to use it. It's huge. That's yeah, very cool. And it's just so much fun to just go. We love going in depth with everything, right including on. our clients. Right on. Well, thank you for going in depth with me and our listeners today on all things sun. And I look forward to spending some time with you again, Nadine, and you take care. You too. Oh my God, I'm so sad right now. Do you know why? Because our time today together has ended and thus has ended one more episode of the Lifestylist Podcast. But fret not, I've got some good news. Now you have something you can do with this information. You can go to iTunes and leave us a review, baby. You know that's coming at the end of every show. I'm going to remind you of that. It's probably going to take a hundred times for me to beg and plead before you actually do it. No, seriously, uh, leaving a rating and review and, of course, subscribing to the show is a great way to support us and keep this party train on the tracks. But it's not all take. There's some give here, too, my friend. 
because of course I'm going to give you another opportunity to download your free episode upgrade featuring all of my show favorites that were discussed in the interview with Nadine. So this is all the links, any books, essential oils. We talked about, I don't know, a hundred amazing resources. I don't want you to have to remember them. I'm going to deliver them to your inbox for free. That's what's up. What do you have to do? You've got to text Lifestylist6 to 44222. Just text the word Lifestylist6 to the number 44222 and it's yours for freezels. Okay. Or you can, of course, you know, just put into your URL, lukestory.com forward slash Lifestylist6. If you're familiar with this show and my lifestyle recommendations, you know that I always recommend to only drink raw, pure, unadulterated spring water whenever possible. In order to do that, you have two choices. You can go to my friend Daniel Vitalis' site, findaspring.com, which is an amazing crowdsourced free site, which helps you map out and find spring water locations all over the globe. If that's not feasible for you, and you live on the west coast of the United States, you can get your water from where I get it. And that's fountainoftruthspringwater.com. Now, if you order from Fountain of Truth and use the code LIFESTYLIST at checkout, you'll save 11% off your first order. Now, Fountain of Truth Spring Water delivers fresh, raw, cold spring water in glass bottles directly to your doorstep. You're not going to find that anywhere else. Trust me, I've looked. So go to fountainoftruthspringwater.com, enter the code LIFESTYLIST at checkout, and save 11% off your total first order, including bottle deposits and stamps. I want you to definitely join us tomorrow. I'm doing, you know, 10 episodes in a row here. Have you figured that out? 10 and 10, 10 and 10 days. It's pretty amazing and has been excruciating to put it together, to be honest. But I'm happy to finally be delivering these to you. So tomorrow we'll be releasing the episode number seven with Ari Mizell, and he's an expert on outsourcing. And that episode is going to be called Outsource Your Overwhelm, How to Not Freak Out and Stress Out in Today's Busy World, especially if you are an entrepreneur like myself. It's been crucial for me to learn all of the apps and different services that Ari mentions on the show. So I can't wait for you to get some of that too. It's going to be sweet. So until tomorrow, keep on keeping on.